All right. Hello, everyone. Today, um, the title of uh, my devotional is The Art of War. Not war as in W-A-R, but W-O-R, W-O-R-S-H-I-P, worship. Yeah, the art of worship, worship. Well, around 2,500 years ago, the Chinese general Sun Tzu wrote a work. You know, you may know about it. It's called The Art of War. It was all about strategies of fighting battles in various circumstances of engagement. In fact, it's still used today. Very popular. In fact, Colin Powell really likes it. Uh, but today I want to talk about the art of spiritual warfare. Now, 2 Corinthians 3, 10-3 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So the case I want to make is that the weapons we use in daily spiritual battles are weapons of worship. That's right. Think about it. If you are walking in a state of worshiping God, can you continue to do so if you give in to greed or selfishness? If you're a lover of money, or can you be worshiping God at the same time you're gossiping about a neighbor? No. Stealing? No. Lying? No. Being uppity and prideful? No way. Can you be worshiping God while you're looking at pornography or cheating on your spouse or living in some fantasy in your mind? Do you really think so? No. Worship of God destroys all other uh, types of worship. All other things we delight in are overcome with the worship of God. Uh, even one of the commandments, uh, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, God said. God is very jealous. And uh, in Luke 16, 13, Jesus gives us an example of how we can't worship God at the same time as be a greedy lover of money. Okay? So here's what it says. No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Now, in the Old Testament times, the people of God, they learned, or they should have learned, that worship and, and warfare went hand in hand. And I believe it, it is an example in the Old Testament for us spiritually today. Those physical uh, victories were for our spiritual learning today. Over and over, we read of the situations where the people failed to worship God, with their whole hearts. And they were defeated. However, when God's people repented and truly worshipped Him, He gave them victory over and over. So worship went hand in hand. Remember, uh, think about Jonah. He disobeyed God in a spiritual battle. He lost. And physically, he was put into the belly of the whale. But he worshipped God in, rather, the fish. He worshipped God in the belly of the fish, and God uh, had the oil spew him on, on dry land. 
he received victory in worship. Joshua and the children of Israel, they worshiped God as they marched around and blew trumpets at the wall of Jericho, and it fell. David worshiped God in the midst of the battle with Goliath. Remember um, how he, he just praised God. And he, uh, he said that how the purpose, he gave us the purpose of the victory in his own words and how that it was that all the world may know. I'm paraphrasing from memory here, that all the world may know that there is a God in Israel. So it was for God's glory. And David received victory in worship. King Hezekiah, Hezekiah he worshiped God. With, with Israel uh, or in Judah as when, when uh, the king of Assyria besieged Jerusalem. And they worshiped God, and, and actually God fought for them. He sent his angel to turn them away. Daniel in the lion's den. I can see Daniel worshiping God all night in that den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is another example. They would rather worship God and die. But God brought them victory in their worship. Uh, the list goes on and on in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there's isolated examples that, that match that. But we begin to see a change. Uh, Paul and Silas, for example, they worshipped God in the prison. And, and the earthquake came and their chains broke off and they were delivered with victory. But we begin to see how uh, the things that we're pointing to about spiritual battles and victories um, came to be in the New Testament. Those examples were unveiled and people, Christians, believers began to, to win spiritual battles, yet they were aware that they were still in a broken world. And Hebrews chapter 11 tells us about some more of those examples. Uh, still the, the, they, it still speaks of the Old Testament victories. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Noah, Moses, the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, all those. But then in verse 35, it begins to, to shift. And here's what it says. Um, some were tortured. And I believe this is talking about in the New Testament now. Refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And then it says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So, um, yeah, yeah, faith. Uh, faith and worship go hand in hand. We worship uh, the one we believe in and trust in. And that faith is, is a part of our worship. But uh, the, the people of the Old Testament and of the New, um, we, we all, none of us have received all the glories of the battle of the war. God's going to share those with us when we make it to heaven, when, when he brings us with him there. And we will all experience those joys together. 
So in Ephesians 6, I want to briefly touch base on a few of the uh, pieces of spiritual armor that Paul talks about. Remember, we're talking about a, we're in a spiritual war uh, and we're fighting with worship. Uh, faith is a part of that worship. And Paul tells us some more parts of the armor, the spiritual armor. And I want us to kind of also see, as we talk about them, how they're related to our worship and a part of our worship, really. Ephesians 6.10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So let's take a look at our arsenal and, and our armor. Verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of faith. So do you consider truth? The, the belt of truth, rather. Do you consider truth as something foundational for the God you worship? Whether you trust in the Bible or the Quran, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, or your favorite journalist on TV, does the truth matter? Do you care enough to see the truth amid all the fake news? Jesus himself told Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man, no one comes to the Father except through me. See, for believers, the, uh, the truth, this belt of truth is a, strong, uh, is, is a strong piece of armor that holds fast all our, it all together. It, it brings validity and, and confidence to our worship. Truth backs up everything we believe in. It's essential for fighting the lies of Satan as he attacks us on a daily basis. Uh, the devil wants to invoke doubt and worry. He wants to steal our confidence in Christ and his word. But God's word has proved true since the beginning, all along. And Jesus said in John 4, 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Let's continue on with the next piece of armor and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So, I mean, this breastplate is connected to worship in a big way. We receive this indestructible piece of armor. It's, it's the armor of Jesus' righteousness. When we initially come to worship at the feet of Jesus, when we initially look to him as beautiful and we delight in Jesus, um, he gives us his armor, his breastplate of righteousness. If you claim your own righteousness can defend you in battle against Satan and the darkness, you will find out that your breastplate is made of probably Something like toilet paper. Yeah, do you think that is going to work well against the, the fiery darts of the devil? And it's more like unclean toilet paper. This is horrible. Don't use unclean toilet paper as your armor. Our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. 
Um, so th- Paul says, put on the, the armor, uh, the breastplate of righteousness, and that's Jesus' righteousness. Um, Jesus is the one who took the penalty. or He began by, he lived a perfect life that he might impute his righteousness to us. And that we might have this breastplate. Then he took the penalty of our sins on the cross so we might have his righteousness. He, he was paid the wages of our sin. And, and then he defeated death itself that we might one day be raised in righteousness with him forever in his presence. And, and so this initial breastplate only comes uh, when we initially worship God by faith. And God wants us, I mean, I mean the gospel is, is for every day. And we'll look again at that a, a little later as we close. Verse 15, and another piece of the armor, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So most nations that engage in war would claim that their end goal is, is actually peace, even in war. Nobody wants war to continue, but in, in accomplishing peace, the world goes about it in a very different way than believers in, this, in our spiritual battles. So what about the shoes we wear? In, in a dirty physical battle, in war, uh, when people are preparing a, a ground attack, let me ask you, would you wear your, your, uh, your bedroom slippers or your high heel shoes into battle? Of course not. The boots made for war carry a person through mud and guts and blood and all the way they cry out advance forward with aggressiveness and strength and power but boots advance a man with swords and guns ablazing bringing death to those in its path but for believers our shoe preferences are, are quite different while fighting in a spiritual battle, our, our battle shoes are reinforced with the power of the cross. The, the cross defeats sin and brings peace. We don't defeat daily spiritual battles promoting our own strength with guns ablazing. But we advance crying out, here is peace. This is good news. Listen, Jesus died in your place. And even defeated death that he might raise you up. Jesus is the strong one that brings peace for sinners. The gospel of peace is a strong weapon in in daily spiritual battles. If you're walking in the peace of the cross, you know that it only comes and only came through worship. And And this worship is what we want to share This worship carries us into battle, carries us through it, and it is what we share with others. We share the peace of the cross. Ephesians 6 continues uh, in verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. So, as we touched on earlier, our, our worship is defined by where we put our faith whether we treasure the promises of God or the promises of the world, um, that lets us know who or what we worship. We talked about the faith and, and how it's linked to worship in Hebrews 11. And another word I, I believe that defines worship is treasure, as in what do you treasure? 
and we usually put our faith in those things we treasure. If you treasure money, then it will be your shield. Money will be your shield. Uh, the Bible says, as we just read, take up the shield of faith. If your faith is in money, then it's your shield. Uh, if you treasure your position, then you'll shield yourself with that, whatever it is. Um, this week, what or who will be the shield that we treasure and place our faith in? Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, he said it like this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So um, faith, of course, as we said, is is a part of our worship. So if we walk in worship, Satan's not going to have an advantage over us. We know where our strength comes from, and we know where our trust is. And finally, uh, take the helmet of salvation in verse 17 says, and as we already said, salvation is first consummated as we, it's through worship of God through his son Jesus. When we, when we see him, when we first see him as beautiful, and we delight in him and his righteousness. And he is, he is the answer. He's the one that paid, was paid the wages of our sin on the cross. And we believe in him and we rest in him. And, uh, and so that's a part of worship. So take, without that helmet of salvation, you're going to get plowed over in, in, in this, uh, in, this, in the battles of daily life. And that's a, a reminder. The gospel that brought us salvation at first is something we need every single day. The same principles even of the gospel. How that we should trust in God and not in ourselves. Come to Jesus. Call out to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Draw nigh to Jesus. Whoever will, let him take the water of life freely. That, that gospel, we use that every single day. Uh, to the helmet of salvation um, is a part of our worship, and it's a part of our armor. And the, the sword of the Spirit, the Bible says, which is the word of God, verse 17. So also we know the word of God is a spiritual sword that is used in our own hearts on a regular basis to bring about true worship of God. Spoken of in Hebrews 4.12 as being used on the darkness that embeds itself within our hearts. Um, here's what it says. For the word of God is a living and active, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Paul connects the glory of God in growing in our worship with the Holy Spirit also in 2 Corinthians 3.18, my favorite verse. So um, uh, this is worship, right? When we see the glory of God and we delight in it, that is worship. And here's what Paul says. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to it another for this comes from the lord who is the spirit so you see the holy spirit the sword of the spirit is is connected it's it's entwined it is worship it's a part of our worship the holy spirit is and it it, it uh, cuts out the darkness in our life and it, it lets us see beauty and, and it gives us peace and joy as we see more of the glory of God, and it transforms it.
us. It does all those things. That's worship. Seeing and internalizing God's glory. And uh, the degree of our worship is in proportion to how glorious we see God. And um, all this comes to us from the Spirit. So I, I believe that there's something to that. The, the degree of our worship is in proportion to how glorious we see God. If we want to worship God better, we need to see more of His glory and ask Him to show us. All right, and uh, John 4.24, this verse goes along with this as well. God is Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So these two are connected. So all these, all these uh, pieces of the armor are a part of our worship, if you think about it. And uh, that's what Ephesians 6 tells us. And if we looked at a, another passage that almost starts off the same, a little different, but it's in Colossians chapter 3. Now remember, Ephesians 6 says, put on the armor of God. And he tells us what it is. Colossians 3, 12 says, begins by saying to put on, kind of like clothes. But we see these, these, uh, uh, this, these, this armor in a more practical way. He, he shows us how it plays out in our life. And this is how true worship is to be a part of of our, our, our breathing, of everything we do in life. Let me read a little bit of that. And we're, we're about done here. Uh, 3.12 in Colossians, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks, thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So this is worship at its best, my friends. This is wearing the armor of God in our daily life as we... As we um, interact with one another and love one another as we are humble and meek and have patience. These are, are the, uh, is the arsenal of worship that overcomes the battles that we face, the spiritual battles. Um, so forgiving one another and love which binds everything together and peace of Christ. We talked about the gospel of peace. And to be thankful, this that's worshipped, um, singing songs and spiritual songs and hymns. So giving thank to God through Jesus. This is what worship is, and this is this is how we we fight our battle on a day by day 
basis. So um, much, much more could be said. Psalms 24, 8. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. So, uh, I mean, Moses sang about Jesus and about God and how uh, he, in his worship of him, of how he was the one that was the deliverer. And, and so as we, as we think about the spiritual battles in our everyday life, just, just remember to, to as, a, as, a, as worship, offer yourselves up to God in worship, and you will overcome. Hebrews 13, 15, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, and acknowledge his name. Do, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for Jesus, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that uh, that you said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Father God, we're in, we're in battle, Lord, and it some sometimes it doesn't seem easy in our daily spiritual battles, Lord. But help us to know that in our strength, in our strength, it's not easy. Uh, you are the the one that fights the battle, and and our worship of you is how how we accept, uh, assess your how we 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 get your strength in our lives, Lord. You you impart it to us, Lord, in our worship, Lord. When we humble ourselves to you and turn to you and look to you and delight in you and call you beautiful and rest in you, Lord, then we overcome whatever darkness comes our way, Lord. You give us strength and peace and joy, and, and we can look forward to that, Lord, because you want only good for your children. You want to give us good things, good things that, that glorify you. You're going to, as long as it'll glorify you, Lord, uh, you, you want what is good for us. So we pray for those things, Lord, in our life, Lord. And please guide us and open up our eyes and, and show us how we can have more joy and peace in you and, and be effective in the battle every day, Lord. And thank you for, for bringing us through this all the way. Thank you, Lord, for, for winning the war, Lord. We love you. You're going to be the ones who began a good work in us and is going to bring it. Bring it to the end, all, all the way to the day of Jesus Christ, Lord. Just be with us today. Give us your peace. Help us to worship and delight in you every day and seek you. In Jesus' name, amen.